You look great. You're about to get real fuzzy once we start recording. How uh, how do I sound? So good. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like money, bro. <laughs> it sounds it sounds a bit echoey and a bit um bit like I'm down a well here, but I think it's just the old can't, the old in Dude, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah, mate. I, it's, it's been what thirteen years since we last. I'm so so sorry for going on that clinic but, tour. That like it puts such a just a a roadblock in our friendship and. I was too tired to even voice note. I, I never, ever stopped like the entire time I, I was going. Uh, I so anyways, before we get into all of that, I want to say if you're new to drum with Mike and Eddie and this and you just happen to dip your toe into episode 70. Welcome in. Like I said, episode 71. Welcome in. I'm Mike Johnston. This is Eddie Thrower, my co-host, and we are drummers and we kind of dive into the depths of the mental anguish and and sometimes happiness that and joy that drumming brings us. And basically, you just need to know you don't need any skills to listen to this podcast. If you own sticks, your family. And if your family was somebody that owns sticks, your family. If you're stuck yeah. in a car with a drummer that's forcing you to listen to this podcast, we apologize and we'll make it as entertaining as possible. We will try our absolute best. Yeah, man. Um, it's been a while. It's Travis is now a fully pro drummer touring around the world. Is he now? That's yeah, great, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time, big time. Um, and I've aged. Yeah, I, I, I look like an old man now, mate. I look like an old man. It's been. It's, <laughs> it, it has honestly felt like an absolute. Like, oh my god. Oh, um, I've forgotten how to podcast. I, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. You. I I, I'm going to get you through this. You can do this. Oh, you may my. look like Gandalf. But man, you're sharp as attack, buddy. You are sharp as attack. <laughs> Let's rewind a little bit. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, mate, it looked amazing. The whole clinic tour. It was a tour, wasn't it? It was a clinic tour. Yeah, tour. I, it was so hard to call it. I kept every time I would do a, an Instagram post, I would write clinic tour. And I'm like, it's it's too short for it to be called a tour. Clinic run. Man, it's longer than a clinic run. <laughs> clinic runs like two dates. This is a. I was like, it's a clinic ton. It's a clinic ruer. I don't know what the it, f it is. It's a hard one. It's like it, my drum studio. I I can't call it a studio. <laughs> like, but you also can't call it like a shipping container because it's so much more than that. So it's like, uh, welcome to Eddie's drum container Just, lab. I'm I'm in the place. I'm in the I'm in the drum place right now. <laughs> it's a. Uh, uh. It's so funny, like naming things definitely is one of our biggest weaknesses because oh every time I post on the Patreon page, it's like always, what's up, Patreon folks? What's up, Patreon? Uh, what are you guys? You're, <laughs> I mean, because I can't have the Mike's Lessons family and then the Patreon family because then it's like, well, everything's a family. In yeah. all honesty, I'm an only child. Anyone that's even remotely kind to me, I'm like, oh, you're my sister. Oh, you're my yeah. brother. Thanks. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I never had I never had this in my life before. This is great. I mean, <laughs> you living at the house, that was like having a brother. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah, it was cool, mate. I miss it. I miss it. I can't yeah. wait to get back out there, mate. Um, but mate, to be honest, it was a tour. It definitely was a tour. Okay. It was a long old, um, how many it. dates was it? It was four dates, but it mm -hmm. took six days. So it was, you know, tour. basically my, yeah, tour. Absolutely. <laughs> Lots of hotels. Um, I booked my travel without Amber seeing, so I, I got some fancy schmancy rooms. <laughs> I was no Motel Six. No, I was checking in, and I was thinking, I hope she doesn't Facetime me. 
if she sees this, she's going to she's going to be like, how much did that room cost? I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. It, it was the only one close to the airport. They only have one yeah. hotel in Nashville now. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's been a rough, yeah. rough couple of years for Nashville. They closed all the hotels. <laughs> the only one is this one called the Ritz. I don't know what that means, but it's, uh, it's the only one here. But anyways, yeah, Mate, it, was, it was good fun. You got you, you got to spend money on the hotels. That's something you should never scrimp on, I think. That's something that I regret saving money on as a touring musician back in the day. Like that's your time to wind down and, and chill. And you yeah. want to be able to have a bath without, you know, um, something dodgy floating in it. Do you know what I mean? That, I, honestly, it's just being able to relax. And so speaking of that, last date of the tour, if you will, uh, Nashville. Now, Nashville we're in a proper city now. Now we've got right. like music. Li- I mean, that city is just incredible. I get there. And as we're pulling up to the hotel in the Uber, I'm thinking, oh my, I don't remember booking this thing. I booked it like three months ago. I was like, <laughs> damn, Johnston, <laughs> you're going to have to sell a couple <laughs> snare drums, kid. Um, so we pull in, I get to the front desk, by the way, Nashville, not having the mask thing at all. I didn't see a single person in a mask except really? for during the clinic. But when I checked right. in, I was like, I, cause I was being so careful with this whole thing. Like, I, I mean, I, I haven't traveled like this in a long time. So anyways, yeah, it was all good. It was very relaxed, but no judgment whatsoever. I was wearing my mask, no judgment um, from anybody. I go in there, check in. He's like, Oh, Mr. Johnston, I see we have you in a corner suite. I'm like, do we? That sounds <laughs> did amazing. I, did I press the wrong button? On <laughs> yeah, I was like, like <laughs> I was, and this is the only place that I was staying for two days. Everywhere else, I checked in at night. I fell asleep. I went to the airport in the morning. So this one, I was like, that sounds fantastic. So he gives me my keys. I go up to whatever the floor is, and I'm, I'm on this corner suite. And I, I open the door, and I just think, we've made it. We've made it. I'm, I'm a professional drummer. This is amazing. I was really proud for a second until I was yeah. like, what's on the window? I'm like, oh, it's a little bug, a little ladybug. Love ladybugs. Got rid of it. Took it outside into the hallway because I'm that kind of guy when it comes to ladybugs. Spider, yeah. I would have smashed it. Ladybug, yeah. do you, I'm a gentleman. She's a lady. Take her yeah. outside. Mm-hmm. Come back in. I'm like, there's another one. There's another <laughs> one. There's no one. There's probably about two to 3,000 ladybugs on my window. And I'm just going like, what? And they're, and they're in the bed. They're ever, the whole place is ladybugs. Oh. Yeah, it, exactly. In this really high-end hotel. And so I go, huh. Go downstairs. <laughs> I take my luggage with me because I don't want them crawling into my symbol bag or my suitcase. And I'm, and I'm pretty frazzled at this point. So I'm trying what we talked about before the podcast started. I'm trying like, OK, it's not his fault. He doesn't control yep. bugs. Go in there with a great attitude and say, hey, man, how's it going? So I was like, literally that. Hey, man, how's it going? Um, I so don't want to be that guy. But there's a shocking amount of ladybugs in my room. And he's like, oh, man, that's not a ladybug. That's the bird darda harda harda tetra tetris. Uh, that's yeah. our state bug. They released a couple billion of them into the wild last year to help out with vegetation or the crops or something. Anyways, they're yeah. protected, so we can't kill them. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't pay this much money to sleep in an atrium and have like bugs <laughs> like walking on me. And I didn't say that, of course. I was like, yeah. okay, um, so well, can I can I downgrade to a room that doesn't have bugs? Like, I appreciate that. <laughs> getting the suite with the bugs but can i downgrade and he he's like okay well what are what floor are you on i was like i think the fourth and he's like well they can't fly as high as the 17th floor so let me put you in a room on the 17th floor and there shouldn't be bugs and i was just thinking what a weird thing to deal with in like a high-end hotel that 
I, I kind of wanted to ask, so does nobody complain? Am I like the first sissy to come in and be like, I can't have bugs walking on me while I sleep? Mate, that's like the worst thing ever. Sure, <laughs> I, sure, I know you can't so- kill... I know you can't kill them, but it's like, well, just remove them. Yeah, well, you know I mean? so like, here's, what, here's what happened. I Because of all, I was kind of rushed. I then realized, oh, man, I had already unpacked a little bit and I left my razor in the shower. I hadn't used it or anything, the shower, but yeah. I left my razor. So I'm like, all right, I got to go back in that room. I go in the room and sure enough, there's a lady with a like a specific bug vacuum <laughs> that sucks them up, puts them in a little hotel, their own little bug yeah. hotel, and she takes them outside. And I was just thinking, what? This is, I bet they regret that, don't they? Like releasing those into the wild. I, I, my ago. thought was like, do you guys not have seals on your windows? How are they getting in? <laughs> <laughs> this is a nice hotel. So, anyways, uh, that things like that are the worst. Yeah. Uh, when and, you're and tired, totally, exactly. That was it. Yeah, and like on a tour, when you come in, and all you want to do is put your head down and go to sleep, and then you've got to go back downstairs and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so, mate, talk talk us about the whole clinic from yeah. start to finish because i have done nothing since we last spoke um so this episode <laughs> is very much about you because all i have done is think i physically have done nothing so talk, talk to me talk to me about um what, the start of it and how it went and the evolution of the clinic itself and also just you know the actual clinic itself and yeah so so i had a clinic planned out it was basically um like a long version of what what I did with you at Bentley's. Like it was this left foot thing. The whole thing was based around the left foot. Mm-hmm. And I was calling it like the grilled chicken breast of the drum set. You know it's good for you, but you just don't eat enough of it. And so it had this whole thing. And that was night one. I went to Revival Drum Shop in Portland, Oregon. If you guys have never been there or if you don't follow them, please do. What Jose did at Revival, that's what started the entire scene of vintage drum shops on the internet on instagram and all this vintage vibe jose started all of that at revival and i mean i even remember visiting their first location when i was out on clinic tour with matt halpern and jp bouvet and it was not what it is now but even then you walk in and you smelled old leather and like everything had a vibe you know so anyways that was my first stop and that was very purposeful like have you ever been to portland oregon never never in my life um, I so wanted to because that's where Nike is, isn't it? Yeah, Oregon. yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. they're in Oregon, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so Portland is, it's, I don't know if, what the comparison would be for the UK, but it is so its own scene. You know, we have LA, which is a scene. We have New York, which is the exact opposite of LA. Then we have Nashville, which is kind of in the middle. It used to be thought of as the country spot, like country music home, but it's not. It's just the home of professional musicians um, right now. Mm -hmm. Portland is its own thing. And I used to actually have kind of a negative feeling because it's like ultra hipster, but they're so hip that they're depressed because they've out hipped (laughs) themselves. And they're like, we don't know where to, we're so hip. We can't go any further. So it's over. And so we're sad about it. So I used to have like kind of a negative feeling about Portland. And then for some reason, I don't know if I've just grown up or stopped being such a dick, but This time when I was there, I was thinking, God, I know so many of my students that are just a little out of place in California, and this is their home. These people aren't ultra hip. I mean, they may be, you know, ultra hip, but that's, they're not trying to be, they're just, they're just different in, Mm. in in kind of a beautiful way. And so I scheduled that one first because 
they're not going to be the crowd that's like laughing a ton and clapping and yelling and hooting and ho- it was going to be a quiet, reserved, cool kid crowd, no matter what, because that's just right. the vibe. And so that I went, I wanted to do that first because I thought if I can make this work, everything from this is going to get easier. But in retrospect, it was amazing. I mean, the shop is so inspiring. It looks incredible. See, oh, bro. It looks ridiculous, it, man. It's silly. It's, it, yeah. it's silly. Um, <laughs> and neither you or I have a shop like that near us. So it's like, I can't compare that to anything. I have to get on a plane if I want to see something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just being around, um, I mean, here's here's how it went, just so you can understand the Portland vibe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, give it I to get me. there and the kit is ultra hip because they're like, Oh, that's our sixties Gretsch. So uh Mark Juliana plays that when he's here, Carter McLean, Jason McGurr, Brian Blade. I'm just list Matt Chamberlain <clears throat> listening off legend after legend. They're like, that's their kit when they're in town. So I'm like, okay, well, now I'm intimidated. I'm not even good enough to play the drums, <laughs> these specific drums. Like, yeah. do you have Why? anything in the back? Why tell me that? <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything in the back from Taiwan? <laughs> Take that thing out of the box. So, <laughs> so that was that. Then we're starting to set up. And then of course, like, do you guys have kombucha over there? Kombucha? Yes. Tea? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, ultra yeah. hipster drink, a guy Very. that makes kombucha swings by, <laughs> drops off six cases for the whole crowd. Wow. And it's just like, of course, Dr. Kombucha's here. Uh, <laughs> and and everyone's sipping kombucha and they've got their flan. And it was just like, like I said, I think maybe 10 years ago, I would have judged it. And instead, it was like such a cool thing to be able to sit back, take it all in and be like, this is awesome, man. Yeah, these guys yeah, have yeah. a thing and this thing works for these people. And they're, they're as happy as all get out. So that was the first clinic. And it, it went great, played tracks, everything was fine. No depression going back to the hotel, which you right. know, is something you and I are always trying to achieve. Um, but nothing, I wasn't elated with the whole thing. It was like, cool, that was not embarrassing and it was highly decent. But I didn't think like, bam, crush that. Uh, so that was yeah. great. Then the next morning I flew to Salt Lake City. Uh, the the main person I came there to see, uh, his name's Chris Hancock. He's the one that made my throne. He makes all the custom thrones. Yeah. Um, I see it, does yeah, all the cool designs, it. rooster thrones. So he's he's one of my close friends, and he was my main contact for doing this thing. And he called me in the morning. He's like, hey, I can't pick you up at the airport. I was like, no worries, man. Um, you know, I'm sure you're busy. He's like, oh, I'm not busy. I have COVID. I was like, oh, come <sighs> on. So I wouldn't even get to see him at all. I was like, uh, okay. Um and so that that's fine. Uh, ended up having someone else pick me up. Just the the entire thing. I always forget how amazing Salt Lake City is and how kind the people are. Uh, so had an amazing clinic there. And that was the only clinic, I guess, I, I can't say I, I wasn't looking forward to it because I was, but it was the only clinic that I knew visually it wasn't going to, it was just going to be kind of sterile, kind of music store-ish because that's their yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. Nope. They literally put in so much work to turn that place into this vibey theater. Like you see it from the outside and you're just in a strip mall, walk in the door and then you're in this vibey theater that they created for this clinic. And it was like, damn, thank you. I mean, I was on this massive riser stage thing and they just did such a great job. So that clinic went good. Actually that, that was probably one of the better ones as far as good performances, good vibe, sold out crowd. Everything was great. 
Amazing. Then, <clears throat> then we get to like the one that I was, I wasn't dreading, but I was, I knew it was going to be a long day and that was the airplane hangar. Yeah. Here we go. Is this, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was definitely thinking of you when you, you know, when I knew it was that day, I was thinking, I wonder what he's going to be feeling. Cause it, I don't think it would be nerves. I just think it was like, I don't know, you tell me, but I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing to do to play for, to, to put on a clinic for that amount of time without playing songs. Yeah. So it was that, it was also knowing that basically from two until the clinic, the clinic started at seven from 2 PM until seven, we were filming, we were filming like a short movie or short documentary. Mm. Um, so basically as soon as we pulled into the parking lot with my ride and I opened the door in the parking lot of the airplane hangar from that moment on, I had cameras on me until basically Mm -hmm. the clinic. I mean, on and off, of course, but it, so I just knew it was going to be a long day. But as soon as I walked in and just saw like a drum set sitting in the room right in front of a, a fighter plane, you know, or whatever <laughs> the hell that was, I was just like, oh my God, this is incredible. And so then my biggest worry, cause it was daytime became, oh no, like this is too epic. This is a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> And I want to have like a, a little, little dock, you know, I, as far as yeah, the vibe, yeah. like this is too mm-hmm. grandiose. And I, I don't think I'll be able to make this be personal and make this be intimate. It's too big. How can I, how can I get an intimate vibe and get everyone to drop their guard and relax if I've got a fighter plane behind me? This is insane. It, it, it's, a, it's a good point. It is a good point. It's something that I, I don't really think about, but your environment definitely allows you to feel comfortable. And if it's a, an yeah. intimidating big room if there's, like that it, there's no walls i mean everyone's just like everyone they they had heat but everyone was like cold because there was just nothing comforting but that being said that's what i thought that being said once they fixed you know kind of reorganized the lights and they made it so intimate that basically there was only light on the planes and on the drum set and then the light fell off into blackness so wherever you were it, you couldn't see how far away the walls were or anything like that. And right, it yeah. was, and that was the first clinic that I thought, okay, the only way we're going to get people to drop their guard is to get people up on this kit. And so that was the first clinic that I started bringing people up on the kit. I was going to say, I saw that and I wondered what you were getting them to do. Yeah. So most of it was just like, who here thinks they're a badass? All right, you come on up. I want you to solo for 10 minutes. Cause I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, take up the time, Bobby. Yeah, no, take uh, up the time, uh, mate. So, yeah, so that became this thing. There were just little specific things that I knew I wasn't going to embarrass anybody. This is just a chance for us to realize how hard this instrument can be when you're trying to learn something new. And everyone that came up was awesome. One of the uh, guys that came up, Jared, he's he's a former camper. He's one of my close friends. He's like a little right. brother to me. So I, and he can play his ass off. So I knew he'll be fine. Cause he's, I'm only bringing these people up to not to fail, but like, there's, there's no way they're going to be able to do what I'm asking them to do. But mm-hmm. that process is what I'm trying to show the crowd. I'm going to have them yeah. start with something they can do and I'm going to push it until it breaks. And we as a crowd of drummers can all identify with that moment of like, Oh yeah, we've all been there. Everyone. Is that, it's a very hard thing to do though from both sides of the coin because from your point of view um i know you don't think like this and i don't think like that but if you're the clinician you're the the master so to speak up there doing your thing if you say to someone come up and they 
blast it out of the park and they smash it and they play it just as good as you. It's a bit of a like, oh shit, like this is a bit of a awkward situation. But then also it's hard to get people up and to show people, look, it's, it's, you know, it's not about being the best drummer. It's about the process, like you said. So it's actually a really, really hard thing to pull off. And that's why when I saw it, I was like, that's really interesting because you know, he, it's a, it's a hard thing to juggle, isn't it? But it is. And especially when you're picking strangers, you know, basically I said, okay, here's this thing. Who here feels like they can do it? Everyone that raised their hands, it's like, okay, well in, in the clinician's bad wolf mind, my thought is you all graduated Berkeley school of music. You're all the greatest drummers in the world. So whoever I'm bringing up, they're going to be like, do you have anything that's even remotely difficult? Cause that was a joke. I actually, (laughs) I'm actually left-handed and I played it right-handed just to challenge myself. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's how I felt. And then, you know, and then what I realized was it was the exact opposite. Everyone had completely overestimated what they could do because they're in the crowd and I just did it, but I only did it because I can do it. I practiced it already so I can do it. So they're thinking, well, that sounded easy enough. Then they walk up to the the kid of truth and the kid of truth takes all that stuff that's out in the crowd and it just flushes it down the drain. Yeah. And so then it becomes your responsibility as the clinician to be the safety net of like, hey, don't look at them. Look me in the eyes right now. This is fine. This is why you're here. If you could do it, you wouldn't need to be here. We got this. And let's just keep chipping away at this one note at a time. And then you back the exercise off like, okay, never mind. Don't do that. Let's try this instead. And, we, and you get like a small victory. Mm-hmm. Everyone hoots and hollers and claps. But the biggest thing is in that big ass room that was so intimidating, immediately you started hearing like, you got this. Come on, man. And I was like, there we go. That, that's all I needed. I need like yeah, two of these to get, yeah, to get this going. So it's like, all right, in the room, we've got the vibe. Everyone's on your side. So anyway, so that ended up being like a really intimate clinic. But what was crazy was that was the third night of the clinic tour. And I had noticed through three nights in a row of basically the same clinic um, that the subtopic that I shan't tell you now, but I, cause I'm going to use it for the UK drum show, okay, but I will cool. tell you off, off the camera, but the subtopic kept getting like the, it was the moment of the clinic that only lasted 10 minutes, but it always got the most engagement, the most people leaning forward, the most head nods. And I was like, I think that is the clinic. So by the last night I scrapped the entire thing and started wow. from scratch wow. um, and did a whole new clinic based off of, what was getting the most engagement. And then by the time I was done, uh, I was able to be like, okay, that's, that's the UK drum show. So anyway, so, so I went from Denver and that was with Rupp's drum shop. Absolutely amazing. I could not have done that without, well, I couldn't even come close to doing that without Alex from Rupp's setting all that up and scouting locations, you know, keep in mind if we picked a location, that's because we didn't pick other locations. The owner of that shop was driving around all of Denver looking for wow. places to hold this thing. Um, then I went from there to Nashville and got to do the clinic at Nelson Drum Shop, which that was just insane. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, who who came down to that one? Because you know that's like the place, right? Yeah. So we had, um, it was kind of funny, like, a lot of people reached out to me and said, Hey, I tried to get in, but it's already sold out. And then if you see the video, you might see some empty chairs. That's because 
a lot of people got COVID. They tested positive that day because to get in, you had to either show your vax card or a negative test. Right. right and right. a lot of those people had families like uh, J.D. Blair, who's a, an amazing professional drummer. I've done clinics with him in the past. He used to play for maybe Shania Twain, I think, for a long time. Anyways, he was like, yeah, man, I, I, I can't come. Uh, somebody in my family tested positive and um, it was going to be me, my wife and my two kids. So there's four tickets and this place only holds 70. So four yeah, are yeah. gone. Then the next mm-hmm. person, the next person. Then it rained. In Nashville, if it rains, it's like California. It's like, well, we can't. What do we get to go out to a clinic? There's water coming from the skies. <laughs> yeah. We can't. Cock so cock. it was one of those things where, like, I think we ended up, we, st- you know, we sold out. There were a lot of people that couldn't get in because it was technically sold out. But by the time the clinic came, there were still empty seats because a lot of people couldn't come. Um, and then we did have some people. I felt bad for the staff. There were people that showed up didn't have their vaccine cards with them or proof of vaccination and didn't have a negative test. And the staff didn't know what to do because I was already giving my clinic and they're like, well, would Mike Uh, be cool with this? Would he not? And it's like, Oh, I totally would have, you know, I'm being as safe as I can be. But I also understand the staff turning them away because they're not going to mess around with, they don't know. We just didn't speak about it ahead of time, you know? So there, it was, it was kind of a, one of those things that I learned a lot through this clinic tour of, my compassion, I guess, for or my empathy for what we're all going through as far as you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. You don't, you don't. Like, all I can say is uh, just everyone's trying to do their best. Yeah. No one's going out of their way to ruin the situation. I mean, very yeah, few exactly. Are. Exactly. Everyone's you just know. trying to deal with the cars they've been dealt. And, you know, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy one, mate. I mean, I haven't, I haven't left my, I, well, your camp was the only time I actually left where I, where yeah. I live. It's crazy, mate. Like, I feel like when I tour again and when I start doing stuff, it's going to be a shock to the system. How, how did you, yeah. um, how did your body find it? Were you completely exhausted? Like playing wise as well? I, no. So I, I would say that, um, I forgot how much it throws you off your rhythm on a nutrition level and a sleep level. Um, you know, I, I had my matcha kit with me and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be just fine. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I'm not going to travel with oat milk. (laughs) That's not going to go well. Exactly. I get to like all these hotels and I'm like, okay, I have no way to heat water. There's no microwave in this hotel. And there's, and, and I don't know where the nearest Starbucks is to go get frothed oat milk then to bring it back to the hotel just to make a matcha so i was like i know wow this this isn't working the way i thought so there was a little bit of that and and by the way massive first world problems that i'm complaining about but (laughs) that's why i don't want to i don't want to tour anymore i'm putting it out there that's why do you know what i mean i'm like i wake up in the morning and i'm like oh where am i going to get this really weird niche thing from that is completely irrelevant and not needed but i want it yeah i can't live my day without it i'm I'm not a touring musician anymore Dude, and and so yeah, so I mean, I because I thought like, okay, I remember talking to Amber. I said, you know, um, because I was doing all the flights in in the country, going from coach to first class ended up being almost a wash because with first class you get two free checked bags, and I have my suitcase and my symbol bag, Mm -hmm. and it like the upgrades were like two hundred dollars compared to when we fly across the country, and it's like six thousand dollars. But you get a bed and a hotel and they come by yeah. and they give you sushi. This is basically you get a slightly bigger seat, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, at, yeah. at the front of the plane. So I had I but I told Amber, I said, you know, I had first class or business class tickets the whole way. I had great hotels. 
it's only been five days. I'm wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> like I am toast. I'm, I'm at a point now where I almost need a day off in between every day. You know what yeah, I mean? Mate. Like, because Aussie Osborne I, vibes, Aussie Osborne yeah. vibes, mate. One show, exactly. no, no double show repeats. I want a show no. and I want a day off. And that is that. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I mean, it, at no point was I thinking I was wrecked while it was happening. It was more on the flight home where I was like, wow, that kind of wiped me out. Mm. Um, but I'm so happy I got a chance to do it because now um, what's going to take place at the UK drum show is from labbing the clinic rather than labbing it in my head and thinking like, yeah, that's going to be great. And it's like, and it would have been fine. I just would have never known how much more impactful it could have been without going through this process. Yeah, I know. I need to get on that, man. I mean, I will once my, 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 my back's all right. My back's fine now. Thank God. Now, can we tell people anymore. why you have a yeah. bad back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, listeners, someone drove into the back of my car when I was stationary at like 40 miles an hour, wrote their car off. It was 18,000 yeah. pounds worth of damage to my car. Um, bad. <sighs> Couldn't play oh drums. God. Went to the doctors. He was like, yeah, you can't play drums. You can't do anything. Can't drive. It was horrific. Luckily, Travis was all right because my son was in the back seat, so he was all right. But yeah, it was awful, mate. It was so so bad, um, and it was and it was so typical because the tide was in, the tide was in. Oh, all I wanted to do no. was play drums, record yes. some videos, and then this happened, and it's just been like, oh, I can't do anything, and I and because I've never had a problem with my back or any injury for that matter. I didn't want to make it worse. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So yeah, I've just, I'm listening to the doctor. So it's all good. So I'll be able to play drums very soon, but yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a nightmare, man. But, um, but yeah, wow. anyway, um, what that was, was my point? I don't know what my point I, was. I don't know, about. but that was a <laughs> scary, that was a scary set of pictures to get from you. And like, literally like, you know, you and I are on a massive time difference. So I wake up and I just see these pictures. I don't know what's going on. And I'm just, all the, I'm thinking like, okay, he couldn't send me pictures if he was like, if he was poorly, if he wasn't doing well. Like, I can't imagine him on the side of the road bleeding out and just be like, let me send this to Mike so we can see the damage. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking he must be all right. Let me voice note him right away. And then uh, I was just obviously so happy that Travis was okay. So yeah, happy exactly. that hopefully Travis is young enough that there's nothing traumatic like he won't remember that he was ever in a car accident. You know, yeah, exactly, exactly, man. I mean, like he's like, he's lying in bed at the minute and he's, it's so cute. He's talking through the process of what happened. He says, really? Dada's car had boo-boo. So he had a boo-boo. <laughs> um, and then this is the best bit. He says, silly man. <laughs> silly Cause man. Because I, I was yeah. saying, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a silly man, mate. He's a bit of, I called him something else, but we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> stick with that one. We'll stick with that one. But anyway, yeah, it's been... Uh, um. Yeah, I can't. I think my point was when uh, when stuff kicks off again. Oh, the clinic! I need to set some dates and do some warm up shows, man. I need to get out there and yeah. I might do something at Drummers Only in Scotland and Leeds. Awesome! So if if you're around that area, definitely let me know. Even just getting together with the shed that me and Freddie are actually going to do. So if that people, helps. we had a few people reach out. And Did you really? I, yeah, and I forgot. I forgot. So <laughs> so, I, so I'm I'm reading these DMs and they're like. Hi, Eddie. I'd love to come shed with you. And I'm like, what the, what are you on? A, oh, oh yeah. The podcast. I always forget people listen to Bro, this. Mate. I had no idea until this clinic tour that how many people, everywhere I went, someone would say, did you get the middle seat? And I was like, <laughs> what? 
And I'm like, well, I know Eddie doesn't like the middle seat. How do you feel about it? I was like, what are you talking about? How do you know if Eddie likes a middle seat? And they're like, oh, it was like 35 episodes ago when he came to America. And I'm like, yeah. oh, sorry. So I don't know how to break it to you, but we don't listen to the podcast. I don't. I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, so, yeah, we had a lot of listeners out there. You and I definitely have to do basically the same run I just did, but we just have to do it together because a lot of people would love to see it. But, yeah, I think that um, if you can get to Drumazon in Wales, Oof. that's the spot, dude. Oh, my God. Last time I was there, I, I hope Drumazon's listening to this. I know they're not. They're too busy because they run a shop. But, one, it's it's when you walk in, you go, yep, you care. You guys care about every right. detail. Uh-huh. It was my very first bluetooth headphones only clinic you walk in as the customer they give you the bluetooth headphones it was amazing that's mate it was so funny you say that because the other day where was i i think i was just playing on the pad with travis in the living room um watching like yeah a rave yeah the other night the other morning at four o'clock in the morning i thought i've seen this i've seen this before I remember seeing this Mike story. Wait, I did this when I was on X the other night. I'm just <laughs> tripping out of my mind. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that. Um, and so that's the one in Wales in the UK. Yeah. So it's wow. it, yeah, it's called Drumazon, and I mean they have all the premium brands, all the high end brands. It's it is they just care so much about the details, but. I was so bummed when we got there and they're like, well, we're going to give everybody Bluetooth headphones. I'm like, so there's no PA. So I'm going to be playing drums to tracks and no one will hear anything if they take their headphones off other than drums. And I'm like, yep. And I was like, all right, well, is this how you guys usually do it? And they're like, no, never tried it, but we think it's going to be great. <laughs> and I was like, this is a horrible idea. Complete opposite. It couldn't have been better. They had my full kit mic'd and the track. So everyone had the greatest mix possible in their mm. headphones they, you know, I do a lot of like rolling my fingertips into a, a backbeat and stuff on my snare. Yeah. They were like, yeah, I couldn't see it, but I could, I could hear this thing going. So they heard every detail that they never would have heard without it. No one had failed headphones. I think we had about a hundred people there. So a hundred sets of headphones. And then, um, people, when I started speaking and teaching, they could leave the headphones on if they wanted to, or they could just take them off. It was amazing. Hey, I love that. You know what? Some the, one of the reasons why um, clinics always feel so alien to me. Um, taking aside the fact that it's not on a stage and you're on your own and blah blah blah. Yeah. It's it's the microphone setup. You know, I practice with a full microphone setup. I've played my whole entire life with a full microphone setup, and then when it's my <laughs> time to shine and play drums in front of drummers, I'm on a on a floor with no microphones right yeah and yeah, it's yeah. one of the things that i'm like maybe leading into i'm just sort of thinking out loud the next clinic i play maybe i should practice with no microphones and just play along to music with nothing in my ears you know what i mean i like, actually did except for this one because i because i knew what was going to happen which is basically i could just travel with a second mixing like a tiny little two channel mixer mm-hmm. and then i could go out of my interface into that that would be channel one and then just have a microphone that i just put somewhere so there's some room noise the problem in all reality is because i travel with camera gear laptops ipads i honestly don't have room for another piece of equipment i my backpack is maxed out my suitcase is maxed out so so I just every single day I played all of my tracks going straight out of my laptop headphone jack and no mics whatsoever just to get used to it. Yeah, I knew that's what it was going to be like. Um, you're so detached from the kit. And 
if you if you take one of your ears out, you run the risk of losing where you are in the track because all of a sudden the drums are louder and you can't reach the headphone knob and you're like, yeah. okay, now I don't <laughs> know where the hell I am. Luckily, but- this song's in 15. <laughs> <laughs> this should be easy to get back on the one. <laughs> talking, talking about kits. I don't know. Are you allowed to say it on here? Or is Hell yeah. Amber, Amber I, I gonna passed listen? it through the wife. Okay, yep. sweet. Yeah. So uh, a little birdie told me, the birdie being you, that you got a drum kit. <laughs> I did, but I didn't give you any details. <laughs> no. Um, Except for it's so, not a round, round badge bad boy. That's right. It's not. <laughs> I, I could talk to you about drum gear all day behind the scenes. Because <laughs> be like... Yeah, it's a vintage snare, 96. Amazing. Just like really old. It's got it's got the thick hoops. Oh, die cast? Yep, yeah, whatever. It's got the, the thick ones. Thick, it's got the thick boys on it. It's <laughs> so good, dude. So anyways, um, I was at the last stop, which is Nelson Drum Shop. <clears throat> Bryson and I have, I mean, he really is. I started teaching when he was, I think, 12 until he moved to Nashville, like 18. So he really is like my little brother. And uh, we had taught, he was like, man, I got to get you, you know, he calls, he's a real musician. So he calls money bread. He's like, I got to get you some bread, bro. You, huh. you got to get some bread out of this. I'm like, Bryson, this whole tour is about giving back to the shops. The whole point is that I don't take any of the money. Nah, nah, man, but you got to get some bread. <laughs> I'm good. I'm off of carbs. I don't want any bread. No <laughs> bread. And so anyways, I said, all right, dude, well, you know, I mean, I have like three snares from him on my snare wall. I was like, you know, I love my snares. If I find something special, you know, take 50% off or something and we'll, and we'll get a snare out of it. And he's like, all right, man, just, you just pick any snare you want. It's yours. All right. So I go in there and as you can see from the videos, I'm basically behind me is a wall of maybe 200 snare drums. Mm. There were definitely ones that I thought would be really cool to have here for the campers to experience, but just nothing that really was like a, I have to have that. It was more like, oh, that'd be cool. I should, maybe I should get one of those. So anyways, I just wasn't feeling anything that made me, and I just told the the shop owners or the, sorry, the shop guys that were there, like, dude, just, uh, Bryson couldn't actually be at the clinic. He actually had like a kind of a, an issue. He didn't have COVID, but he had like some severe abdominal pains. And so we had talked in the morning and he's like, went to my doctor and he kind of thinks I should go to the emergency room. I was like, well, then you should do that. Yeah. Turns out everything's going to be totally fine, but he wasn't able to be at the clinic. So I told the guys that were running the shop, Hey man, tell Bryson I'm good, man. I don't, I don't anything. Just, I just wanted to do this for the shop. Everything's fine. But there was a kit. So I'm going to give you a little bit of Gretsch history here. So in the sixties, what we think of as a jazz kit that wasn't happening in the jazz era. That's just kind of what's become the jazz kit. So the classic bop kit nowadays is an 18 inch bass drum, 12 inch rack and a 14 floor. So 12 by eight, 14 by 14 on legs, and then an 18, usually by 14 bass drum. That's like our current jazz drum set or bop kit. Mm -hmm. But in the sixties, that wasn't what I have was. So the 20, 12, 14. So basically a a different bass drum, a 20 inch bass drum. That was the jazz kit. Rock kit was 22. Very, very rare. One off would be the 18 inch bass drum. So if I was trying to get the kit that, uh, I gave away that world, if, if it's in playable condition, you're looking at probably somewhere between three grand and four grand for a sixties Gretsch round badge. If that same kit has an 18 inch bass drum, you're probably looking at about $12,000. Whoa. That's how much it, yeah, because it, and only because they're just hard to find. They didn't make them, they were special order. And so they're just really rare. So I've always been on the lookout. Um, 
remember Dana from Bentley's? Yeah, yeah. So Dana, I've always told him, if you get a round badge bop kit, let me know. And even he was like, man, if I give you like the bro deal of bro deals, it's going to be eight to nine grand. I was like, I know, but just let me know. And then in my mind, I was like, I can't. There's one, I'm not a jazz drummer. What am I doing spending that money? Um, (laughs) Still from a company that I'm endorsed by that I get free drum sets from. (laughs) It makes no, they can make me an 18 inch bass drum tomorrow to match my kit. It's it's like, uh, it's mental. It's, it's, I'm sure everyone driving that's a drummer is like, no, I get it. It makes a ton of sense. (laughs) So anyways, go into the shop and I see a stop sign badge bop kit so 18 for eight or 12 14 18 but in the badge that came right after the round badge era so this would be like Show, late late okay, visualize the stop badge for me yes so basically in the shape of an american stop sign it just says gretch in the middle of it um, right okay so the stop sign badge so same shells it, it, depending on when you get this so this is um yeah you can just type in 70s stop sign badge gretch Ladies and gentlemen, he's on his phone right now <laughs> to his favorite search engine. I'm going to assume oh, he's not a he's not a Bing kind of guy. I don't think he's a Yahoo kind of guy. I think he's going straight to the top. Are you a Google search person? Big or time. You just, yeah, good man. Good man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Okay. So that's the badge after the round badges. And right now I have all round badges. I don't have any stop sign badge stuff. So anyways... That era isn't as collectible, even though it's the exact same shells. So, um, but it could also not be the same shells depending on when the kit was made. Because right. uh, the the Jasper Furniture Company was making Gretsch's shells for them. Those are the famous six ply nineteen sixties round badge shells. And then they kept doing it through the beginning of the stop sign badge era. And then things get really murky in like the late seventies, early eighties. Anyway, so this kit was dated early 70s so it, it's the exact same shell type that i had on my blue sparkle kit and so but the price was much lower because two things it's a stop sign badge kit and it's been rewrapped right. so it's not the original wrap but i love new stuff <laughs> i like the sound of the old stuff but i like new stuff so i was like that is gorgeous that's got to be a rewrap they're like yeah it's been rewrapped so that drops a couple grand off the price yeah it's a stop sign badge so that drops a couple grand off the price so basically at that point i was like well i'm not a collector i'm not doing this to sell it i want the sound and the sound is intact i pulled the drums down you know played them a little bit and i was like well how do we do this (laughs) well i can't take it on the plane with me but uh so yeah long story short I've got a, a bop kit because uh, I'm, you know, I mean, everyone's like Mike Johnston, jazz, just jazz, <laughs> pure jazz. Uh, so I got a bop kit on the way and it's in stop sign badges and it's in like, um, you know, the Ringo star finish. So like black oyster. Oh, don't. Oh, it's, it's that, but shifted towards the blue just a little bit. Oh, like brand new. That is my favorite drum set color. Really? Ever. Black oyster. Oh. And, I, and when we hang up this phone call, I will tell you. I will tell you a little, a little gem I've got for you. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave it for. I'll leave it off for, off the air. But yeah, that is like the my favorite favorite kit color ever. Black oyster. Well, I'll, I'll send you pictures as soon as it gets here because, like I said, it's that shifted towards like a really really dark blue. I mean, it. You when you look at it, you're like, oh, it's not black, it's blue, but it's it's that thing. I, it's it's really hard to explain. It's it's really beautiful. Um, but most importantly, I just wanted. 
something from this tour that reminded me of, you know, I mean, this whole full circle thing with Bryson having him be a kid that was just different and Mm -hmm. never felt like he fit in and just was his own beautiful soul. And then to see what he's created and he's created this, this hub for drummers to come from all over the world. You know, we had like 15 Mike's lesson students that came to that clinic specifically not from Nashville. So we had a guy that flew from Florida. We had a guy that drove, Uh, drove from New Jersey, which is uh, like 12 hours each way. Mate, Um, dramas, man. Dramas. The the one thing that I've missed, I've missed loads of things, but with you being away and missing a couple of days from doing this podcast is how amazing this community is. Like genuinely, man, like with, with Paragon, for example, and the sneaker stuff, there's sneaker heads and sneaker collectors and they're great. There's a lot of people that absolutely hate it. And I get called a prick all the time on Facebook ads by Keith's and Karen's for selling sneakers. (laughs) And then I'm just like, and every time I just think about drumming or the community, I'm just like, oh my God, man, like there's nothing, nothing in the entire world like this community within drums. No, nothing. Like, it doesn't matter how good you are, how early you are in your career, what you're doing, whether you're a pro, a hobbyist, an amateur, whatever it is, everyone wants to help each other. And it's just amazing. It's so cool. It it is. I mean, we were with every shop owner that I was with, you know, we would always think, uh, like, take the Denver Clinic, for example. I was sitting there with Alex from Rupstrom Shop just saying, do you think right now there's a guitarist in front of 70 other guitarists in front of a plane? No, no. There's a guitarist shooting a music video in front of a plane by himself yeah, right now. Yeah. But he's not sharing information. <laughs> That's sure as hell. He's not sharing information. And and they're like talking about like helping each other out. And like, hey, guy in the front row, why, why don't you come up and play a C major scale? Like that's not happening. But it is here. I could actually pull somebody up and say, who's played for less than one year? Someone raises their hand and say, come on up here and let's work out a paradiddle. And the entire crowd of pro drummers would Mm -hmm. be on board for it. Like, yeah, you got this. You got this. It's two singles and then a double. And I'm like, shut up, Tommy. Not now. (laughs) And like, I mean, that's that's what we do as a community. And so it is a beautiful thing. And seeing what Bryson had created, that's why I was like, I want that kit because I just want to remember being in his new shop and just um and i also got another gift out of it which is he had a videographer on staff and i was like i need one of those and now you're trying to hire him i'm trying i literally (laughs) told him you don't have any desire to like live in a place that doesn't have hurricanes do you (laughs) (laughs) nothing against your town but uh and then he was like yeah but What's you, you guys have fires, right? That just burn the whole state down. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, but once a year, you got time to rebuild. You'll be all right. <laughs> Mate, America, right? America makes me realize how safe like little old England is, mate. It's like you go to this part of America and it's like tornadoes and, and hurricanes. You go to yep. this side of it's like, oh, snowstorms, snow yeah. as tall, like six foot <laughs> snowstorms. And then the other part is just fucking forest fires. Yeah. How can that happen hey, in one country? Where's Robert at? Oh, he washed away in the tsunami. Yeah. The May yeah. tsunami? No, 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 no. It was in like the January tsunami way earlier. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it's mental. His dog's Can't fine. Keep up. Yeah, it's, 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 a, there's a, there's a lot going on. I mean, I got to be honest. I don't want to go political, but it wasn't like this when I was growing up. I mean, 
<laughs> if any of you want to do any research at all on climate change, it is kind of real. Yeah, it's, kind, it's kind of out there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of happening. You know, it's hard, that's a hard one to debate. What, what animals do you just allow to roam your land freely so there's no forest fires again? Oh, oh the the goats. The goats. Um, the yeah, goats yeah, weren't so, around 50 years ago, were they? They they weren't. No one dropped off 20,000 goats at a neighborhood <laughs> like they do now, but that happens every summer. They come to our neighborhood and they they back up the the giant lorries or the giant trucks and then just all of a sudden it's like Meh, and like a thousand goats pour out and then they just it's it's amazing cuz there's no humans on hand at all. They release two giant anatolian shepherds massive dogs and they're like all right <laughs> rex <laughs> alfie you guys got this and they're like Rrr! and that's it and the humans leave for like a week and the goats just eat all the vegetation that's down crazy. to the down to the dirt and then it's like cool this one neighborhood won't burn down uh anyways let's get back on track yeah Speaking of how amazing drummers are, let's hear from some now. We've got some questions from our fantastic patrons. This first one is from Mr. Dylan Sims. Hey, Mike and Eddie. This is Dylan from Tennessee. Uh, Love the podcast. You guys actually helped me rediscover my love and passion for drums. Um, I haven't played in the past seven years or so. Um, And after listening to the podcast and hearing your guys' passion and love for the instrument, it made me realize what I've been missing for years. Um, Part of the reason I didn't play is I lived in an apartment. Um, Drums are so loud and take up so much space. Now I have a house and can set up in the garage. So the biggest reason I never played was I honestly don't like the kit that I have right now. I just never feel inspired to sit down behind it and play. I have a Pacific FS series. It's all birch and For some reason, the tone of the kit just doesn't do it for me. Um, So lately, I threw on some Evans Sound Off mesh heads, um, and I got some quiet cymbals, and it's quiet enough to where I can play and practice in the mornings before work, and it doesn't wake up the family. Um, So I'm looking for a new kit, I think I've narrowed it down to a DW Design Series or a Tama Star Classic Maple ser- uh, Series kit. Uh, I found a really good deal online for both of them. I love the hardware and the craftsmanship of DW and Tama both. Um, I, I'm really looking for a maple kit, but I've also heard the Babinga and Birch um, Star Classic sound amazing. Um, but... I'm not the biggest fan of Birch, so I'm worried I wouldn't really like the tone. So with Mike being a previous DW artist, what's your likes and dislikes about DW? I've heard you talk about the snares being a little wonky, but what about the toms and the kick? And Eddie being a current Tama artist, um, I'm wondering if you have any experience with a Star Classic Maple versus the being a birch um hoping you guys can give a little insight um i'm open to any suggestions about outside of these two brands as as well um also mike i was at the clinic uh at nelson's in nashville and you killed it man um seeing you play in person and 
all that info you shared was, it was incredible. Uh, that little hi hat and independent exercise, dude, it's, it's killing me and in a good way, but man, it's tough. Um, anyways, thanks for everything guys. Keep killing it and take care. Here we go. A bit of Tama talk, a bit of Tama talk. Um, yeah, so the, the maple's a little warmer. That I definitely recommend trying out the Babinga uh, Birch. Was it? It's it's really really punchy. I've I've got one of those kits, and uh, I would definitely favour it over the maple kit. It's 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 a really cool, fun kit to play. It sounds amazing when you sit uh, and play it basically with no mics. It sounds great. The maples, I feel like, I don't know. It might be a bit different for others, but the maple requires some tweaking for me the birch babinga uh is is the one i've got a full babinga kit and it's one of every time i've used it in sessions and recorded with it everyone is blown away by it but they don't do full babinga kits anymore because i think the wood's banned or something yep um it's not banned it's endangered endangered (laughs) there we go but i i think ian told me they're not allowed to they're not allowed to um Re- they had to take kits back or something. I don't know. They weren't yeah, allowed yeah, to sell no, them. No, I mean, it's it's now endangered. So they, yeah, I mean, um, I'll find out what's going on, but it's it's been a problem for a while, for sure. Oof. Oof. Well, uh, that means mine's gone up. So anyone want to buy a full... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Birch Babinga, mate, it's, it's a beautiful kit. It's very, very punchy. Um, and I can recommend it more, to be honest with you, mate. I've never played a DW. So I, I don't really... It's funny. I feel like a lot of people do compare DW to Tama. Um, but I've never played a DW, so I couldn't, I couldn't actually say. Yeah. I mean, you have some differences that I would say one of the toughest things with DW is the amount of choices. If you think you have a lot of choices with Tama or Yamaha or Pearl, the DW choices, I mean, not only are you choosing woods, but you're choosing the, the direction of the wood. So you can have VLT vertical, you can have the grain going vertically, you can have it going horizontal, you can have <laughs> XLT where each ply goes vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal. It's so many choices. It makes it really tough. I know you were talking about getting the designer series, which is a little bit more predetermined. I would say this, um, basically what Eddie said, I think that you can get the two opposites. So if you do want something a little bit warmer, maybe you're not going to play quite as hard then the DW designer series would be fantastic. If you're going to kind of lay into the drums, then the Birch Babinga is going to work. That's why the way Eddie plays, like it allows that drum set to do its job. It's, it's like taking a, uh, like a Marshall full stack and turning the amp to one and playing clean jazz. It's like, that's not really what it was designed to do. You turn that thing up to 10, get a, you know, a Gibson SG, hit the distortion pedal, you're going to, it's going to do its job. And so Birch Babinga, because it's a denser wood, it loves to be hit. It's direct. You're going to hear every single note, tons of separation. The, the DW is going to be a bit just like what Eddie was saying with the maple kit. It's going to be a bit warmer. The notes run into each other a little bit, but they're fine with being tuned higher and being played at lower volumes. So I would say if you want a more mild kit, go with the DW designer series. If you want a more, aggressive kit that you can really lay into then go with the tama yeah i love the way you described that then the notes sort of bleed into one another on yeah it's so true very true yeah Uh, i mean that's why like you know chops a lot of fast drummers play tama because it separates the notes it has great attack and then really quick decay you can hear all the notes um and then like if if i tried to chop it out on some of these kits I played on tour, like a 60s Gretsch 
rounded bearing edge kit, all you would hear is like they all blend in together. Yeah, so you kind of yeah. have to let each note breathe a little bit. So, nice. um, but both would be great. Uh, just Dylan to answer your question, both would be fantastic kits. I just think it's really a volume thing. If you're going to hit hard, go with the Tama, not saying that it can't do the other. And if you're going to be a little bit lower, go with the DW, not saying that it can't do the other. These are both amazing drum sets. You'll be fine either way. Um, Go with the one that you like the most. Yeah, man. Go play them. Go hit some drums yeah. in the music shop. There you go. And next up, we've got a question from patron Tom Mitchell. Hey, Mike and Eddie. Um, this is Tom here from Maidstone, England. Um, firstly, thank you so much for this podcast. I stumbled across it recently uh, when I was uh, doing a UK tour and doing a lot of driving. Um, and it's just brilliant i really really appreciate what you guys have done um it's actually the first time in a long time that i feel like there are people kind of talking on my wavelength about uh, a similar thing to to what i do so thanks a lot for it it's great um so without waffling on too much basically um i run a drum school um based in the southeast of england called Drumwise. i've been running it since 2004 um, I have several teachers that, that work for me and we work in lots of schools uh, around the county. Um, but um, I, my question really is, is about my own like, personal experiences with teaching. Uh, we teach both kids and adults. Um, and I'm getting this quite a bit at the moment. And I just, I'm wondering if there's anything you can help advice-wise with this. So I'm getting students come in They've had lessons before with me, you know, they'll be maybe even a year, two years down the line. And I always like to say to my students, what do you want to do? Um, obviously, there's there's things that we, we need to do, things that I, I need to show you, especially in the early days of, of you learning. But what do you want to achieve from your lessons? What, what inspires you? What things do you want to learn? Um, and recently, I've been getting a quite a lot of, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about what uh, what music you're into, what bands you're into, and then the answer will be, I don't know. I'm not really not really into music. Don't really listen to much music. And you guys touched on this the other week, and that's what's made me think that I want to send over this question. So, what can I do for those students? I try my best to inspire them. Um, I show them videos of, of different people playing and so on. But I just feel like there's uh, there's this brick wall that they've hit and they just don't know what they want from the instrument. Uh, some of the people that have given me this answer are quite young, so it's quite hard to just to put it bluntly and say, right, what do you want from, from this instrument? Because some of them are just hobbyists and they do it because they enjoy doing it as a weekly class. So they obviously don't expect a career out of it. Um, they just do it because they enjoy it. Um, but... Obviously, if they enjoy it and then they don't know what they want to achieve uh, from their lessons, it's a bit of a difficult scenario for me as the teacher. So any help there would be great. Hopefully that makes sense, that garbled question. And once again, thank you for what you guys uh, are doing with this podcast. It's really helped uh, my head over this last uh, few months. So thanks a lot. Take care. That's awesome. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm on your website right now. So if anybody wants to go check out your stuff, it's drumwise.co.uk. Tom's a good looking lad. I'm not going to lie. Um, he's got the staff, him, Matt Cotter, uh, 
<laughs> and Alex Cavini. Good looking lads. Uh, they say they are in Kent. Where's Kent? Kent is like, <clears throat> yeah, east. East, so, yeah, east, Thanks, basically. that's all I needed. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I don't know why I was going with that. I just kept on saying <laughs> I east can't even, in the hope. I don't even know where you live, so yeah, I don't yeah. know why I even asked that. That was on me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they got a good looking school. So I think that that's a super common thing. Uh, age-wise, I always then skip the generation and go, okay, what's your older brother into? What's your older sister into? What's your dad's favorite band? What's your mom's favorite band? Because if you can get a kid to play their father or their mother's favorite song, the father or the mother will support this thing forever. So it's kind of like a way to get them hooked. And then throughout that, it's just your it's your job to slowly introduce them to things. You are the gateway into the drumming community. You know everything. And how would they know, especially now without magazines and things that would have introduced them to this stuff. It's just, it's too hard. If it's kind of weird, we're in an information era where if you know what you're looking for, you can find anything. If you don't know what you're looking for, it's hard for it to find you where everything I learned about the drum world came from modern drummer. The, The magazine showed up, whoever was on the cover, I assume they were pretty good. They were on the cover of the magazine. Then I opened it. I'm like, Oh, Lars is sponsored by Tama. That must be a cool thing. And, you know, and all of a sudden that's all gone. So right now, like, here's a good question. I'm assuming Coldplay is still a band. Yeah. Yeah. Who's their drummer? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Neither do I. And you live there. And he's a car collector. I've seen him do TV shows, but it's like, I don't know. Like he's, no one's telling me or, you know, um, like, just it's so hard to know who plays for who we don't have those references. So drum teachers have to be the ones to introduce their students to that stuff. And really it's just kind of, there's nothing wrong with taking an entire half hour lesson with a student and saying, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to listen to music. We're going to start with this. This is called Led Zeppelin. Love it or hate it. I don't care what you say. And the kid says, hate it. Cool. We're jumping straight to blink 182. What do you think? Love it or hate it? Hate it. Okay. This is hip hop. This is Jay-Z. What do you think? Love it. Cool. Now we're starting to find some directions. Well, mm-hmm. if you love Jay-Z, let me start to take you down the path of things similar to that that have real drums. This is the roots. This is Questlove. This is Questlove playing with D'Angelo. Let's find what you love about music. I mean, it doesn't matter how young you are. You still like things you like. That's like, yeah. I mean, it'd be weird to be like, yeah, the kid just doesn't like food. Any of it? <laughs> have you tried? What, it's like, yeah, we just give him these protein pellets and he won't eat them. It's like, well, no shit. Give him a piece of pizza. Sorry. I yeah. Hey, there we go. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I think what Mike said is 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 a great answer, man. I think half the time when like, I think even, it's even more important now just to listen to music, listen to different drummers. And then the next thing is to, I feel like every drummer looks at is standing at the bottom of Mount Everest every time, whether it's learning a new thing, discovering something new, trying to figure something out. And I feel like something that's really, really cool to do, which sounds obvious is to choose someone's favorite song and just take a simple drum feel. I know probably a lot of people do this, a a simple drum feel and just try and try to extend that in as many ways as possible. Oh, well that's just singles. And then instead of singles, you can use a paradiddle. Oh, this is the paradiddle. This is also how you can play that. It's just that sort of, you know, that knowledge tree, every branch leads to something else. And I think it starts with just, like you said, showing them cool bands, cool artists, um, if they don't know any, 
And then if they do have any of their favorite artists, starting with what they know and then taking it further and diving into things they don't know. Um, I think that sounds obvious, but that's just reverse engineering everything that I've done and all the cool lessons that I've had. That's literally just what it's yeah. been. It's been like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is what Travis played, by the way. And I'm like, oh my God, what else can you do with that? And then it just keeps yeah. the ball rolling. But um, Songs are the yeah. gateway to all of those lessons. I mean, there's so many lessons that, I've learned and I've taught that they just don't make books for. We just have to wait until you're learning this song and then there's a hiccup at the one minute and 27 mark. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, we've never learned triplets. And that's a triplet based fill. Now we have the next two months ahead of us to to dive into this thing. So, yeah, um, hopefully that helps, Tom. Uh, also, thank, thank you, you for, for being question. a yeah, thank you for for being a patron so quick. You said you just listened to the podcast, and now, yeah, now you're amazing. a patron, so I appreciate that, mate. Speaking of that, uh, I'm just I was opening up an email that I want to read at the end of this podcast, but I just opened up this that says, "Hi, Mike and Eddie. I hope this email finds you exceptionally well. I'm Lawrence, blah blah, blah affiliate manager for blah blah blah." We are a performance network which curates best-in-class brands in the health and wellness space, and we would like to partner with your web or with your podcast, blah blah blah. And it goes on about how much they'll pay us for our ads. No, Lawrence, because we are funded by patrons. So straight in the uh, trash. Go and I, I might even bulk mail that thing. We're <laughs> gone. Goodbye. Good day to you, sir. Uh, so yeah, so we do not do ads on this podcast. This podcast is listener supported by amazing patrons. So if you would like to support this podcast and keep it ad free, so you never have to listen to that weird break. By the way, speaking of weird breaks, I started listening to a, a new F1 podcast. They just, I don't know what service they're using, but they just assume like, yeah, they'll insert some ads. So it goes, and now we'll take a short break. And then there's dead silence because no one is sponsoring their podcast. And so it's just <laughs> silence for 30 seconds. And I'm like, I love dude, that. cut that out, man. If you don't have sponsors, just don't take quick breaks. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm like, either that or fake that you got sponsored by Manscaped. So it seems like you're doing well. Fake just, it. Fake just it. read a Manscaped ad. <laughs> uh, so anyways, we do not have sponsors. We are sponsored by you, the listeners. We appreciate it. If you can't, be a patron and money's a little tight right now. We understand just maybe you could help us out by heading over to iTunes, giving us a five star rating and writing a short review of this podcast. That'll help other drummers find this podcast. All right, real quick before we get out of here. Um, this is not, this is a listener statement that came through our email and I just wanted to read it cause I thought it was very cool. This is from Ed Wilson. Dear Mike and Eddie, although I've only joined your podcast audience recently, I wanted to say thank you for the conversations and insight. A few years ago, I was a full member of Mike's Lessons family, but had to leave in 2018 when I lost my job. At the time, I had an 18-month-old and a four-month-old baby, and my company gave me nothing in terms of compensation. It was not the best of times. After four four months and almost losing the house, I managed to find work, and although it meant being away from home, I felt like I had some purpose again. A year later, we left the UK and moved to the Isle of Man to be near our family. This feeling of purpose was short-lived, and having struggled for a few more Years, I recently found myself reflecting on what I was doing and when I felt the most fulfilled and where I was at that time. Having played drums since I was 11, becoming relatively successful when I was young, and then getting jaded with musicians in the industry, I eventually left it behind. This pattern has repeated itself ever since. I love teaching, love learning, love the feeling of community that comes with drumming. And after Christmas, I started looking into what I could do to start taking teaching, uh, to start teaching at a practice, uh, sorry, 
to start a teaching practice and my own shop. As I said, I only started listening to the podcast recently. And because of my current thought process, I started with your conversation with Kim Lee about starting a business. boy, Kim. It's rare to feel so clearly represented by a group of strangers. And I just wanted to say, whatever happens with the studio and the shop, thank you. Thank you for helping me realize that I'm not alone in my thoughts and feelings, that teaching matters, and that it's okay to not want to do the things people think all musicians should want to do, and that there's space for everyone. Hopefully see you at the UK Drum Show. All the very best, Ed. Wow. Mate, I've got goosebumps then, man. Isn't that I love heaven? it, mate. It's amazing, man. Honestly, this podcast and just like what it represents and just, it's it's amazing, man. Like we all go through these just emotions up and down and like confusion yeah. and, oh, this is the best thing ever. Oh, what am I doing? Oh, I can't wait to play drums. Oh, I just want to burn this drum kit. And it's just so cool that like we all go through those emotions. And at the end of the day, it's like we, we all come back to the drums and we all come back to this community because it is amazing. And it's just great, man. Well, mate, if there's anything I can do to help, let, let me know, man. I'd love to come over. If you set that drum school up, mate, it's only a boat road. Boat road. It's been a while since this podcast aired, mate. I'm struggling <laughs> to say my words. I thought I was up there with Joe Rogan. I'm not. I'm in, I'm in the bin at the minute. But it's you only a, a boat ride. There we go. Across. There it is. The little. Seas. I thought you were going to literally row a boat. A boat row. I was like, <laughs> okay. He's he's getting in shape. As soon as his back's healed, folks, he's just yeah, exactly. A boat. <laughs> I'm um, over there. But yeah, I think that. Uh, that's something that Eddie and I definitely want to do when I'm over there for the UK drum show. We're going to try to tack on some events to that. We're definitely going to do something at Kim Lee's place in Bath, but you know, we can always do more. And obviously you probably won't have your shop set up by then, but maybe next year you will and we'll come by and we'll do a clinic. So everyone have an amazing, amazing day. I hope this, this was, by the way, this was supposed to be like a 20 minute little thing to catch up. And then we're going to do our regular episode later this week but we hadn't caught up in a while so it's a it's a full banger it's another hit mate <laughs> god god i love episode 71 i can listen to that thing all day <laughs> everyone go get some practice in get that tied in fall in love with the instrument and uh, we will see you guys in episode 72 ciao ciao double Is it gun two chows a double gun i've never double gun <laughs> never been anywhere that actually said ciao never been to italy no. Did they say ciao ciao? Yeah. Mm, no. Double they win. Don't. They just say ciao. I don't either. They just say ciao. Actually, they just say bye because I'm English. There you go. They go you think of see you later, mate. And I go, it's what? weird. You can say bye bye, but you can't say goodbye goodbye. Yeah, goodbye goodbye. <laughs> That's weird. It's <laughs> very weird. See you later. later. <laughs> see you later. I don't know why I double up right. on the end of, I always double up at the end of a podcast because yeah. I don't know two what's guns. like. I'm just yeah. like, two guns, ciao, ciao. See you later. Bro, you're, I mean, when we first started talking, your buys, there was like seven. Bye, 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 bye. Yeah. That, that's good. <laughs> that's because I'm English, mate. Yeah. See you later. Uh, bye, mate. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> Like you couldn't find the off button on your phone. So you just kept saying bye until your thumb found that's the off. so funny, mate. I know I do that.